Sermons by A.B. Simpson Personal Testimony Sanctification Star The following testimony was given in substance by Rev. A.B. Simpson on Sunday night September 12, 1915, in connection with the 50th anniversary of his ordination. An occasion so unique as this may justify a personal testimony and the opening up of the holiest and most sacred confidences of one's Christian life. Fifty years ago the one who addresses you this evening was ordained in this sacred place. He was a young, ambitious minister of twenty-one, and had not yet learned the humbling lessons which God in his faithful love is pleased to teach us as fast as we are willing to learn. God was pleased to give him a loyal and united congregation, and what would ordinarily be called a successful ministry. He was sincere and earnest up to the light he had received, and had not learned any other gospel, and the old story of the cross. God had graciously given to him a very true conversion, and, notwithstanding the temptations of college life, and the ambitions of his intense nature, he was according to the ordinary standards an earnest, sincere, and successful minister, and the measure of blessing that God was pleased to bestow upon him in this dear old church was far in excess of anything he had the right to expect. But even after nine years of his active ministry in Hamilton he had not yet learned the deeper lessons of spiritual life and power which God was pleased to open to him after taking him from this place. There is a remarkable passage in Isaiah telling us that when the Spirit is poured out from on high, the wilderness shall become a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be counted for a forest. When that experience came to him, the field of his former ministry, which had seemed so fruitful, suddenly appeared barren and withered, and he felt as if his true ministry had scarcely yet begun. It may not be out of good taste to testify to the things which God has been pleased to show to him in the more than forty years that have passed since his last official relations with this church. In the first place, he took care to show him very thoroughly, very patiently, very inexorably his own nothingness. In a crisis hour of his spiritual experience, while asking counsel from an old, experienced friend, he was shocked to receive this answer, all you need in order to bring you into the blessing you are seeking, and to make your life a power for God, is to be annihilated. The fact is, the shock of that message almost annihilated him for the time, and before God's faithful discipline was through, he had learned in some adequate measure, as he has been learning ever since, the great truth which our text expresses, I am not sufficient to think anything of myself. Second, the next great lesson the patient master was pleased to begin to teach him was the all-sufficiency of Christ. Never shall he forget the morning that he spent in his church study reading an old musty book he had discovered in his library on the subject the higher Christian life. He had struggled long and vainly with his own intense nature, his strong self-will, his peculiar temptations, and his spiritual life had been a constant humiliation. He had talked to his people about the deeper things of the Spirit, but there was a hollow ring, and his heart was breaking to know the Lord Jesus as a living bright reality. As he poured over this little volume, he saw new light. The Lord Jesus revealed himself as a living all-sufficient presence, and he learned for the first time that Christ had not saved us from future peril and left us to fight the battle of life as best we could, but he who had justified us was waiting to sanctify us, to enter into our spirit and substitute his strength, his holiness, his joy, his love, his faith, his power for all our worthlessness, helplessness, and nothingness and make it an actual and living fact, I live. Yet not I but Christ liveth in me this was indeed a new revelation. Throwing himself at the feet of that glorious master he claimed a mighty promise, I will dwell in you, 
and you and me across the threshold of his spirit there passed a being Azrael as the Christ who came to John on Patmos, and from that moment a new secret has been the charm and glory and strength of his life and testimony. And he shall never forget how he longed to come back to the land of his birth and the friends of former years, and tell them that magic, marvelous secret, it from ages and generations, but now made manifest in the saints, which is Christ, in you, the hope of glory. Henceforth it was not his struggles, his character, his ethical culture, his moral goodness, but his constant dependence upon the living one, who has said, Because I live, ye shall live also. And whatever has been accomplished these forty years in personal victory or public service, he counts it a great privilege to stand here today and say, Not I, but Christ. I have learned the secret, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is not only the secret of spirit victory, but of mental efficiency and physical strength. It is such an identification with the incarnate Christ that his intellectual force passes into our limited capacity, and we can say, we have the mind of Christ, and his physical vitality quickens our failing strength, lifts us above disease and infirmity, and enables us to say, the life of Jesus is made manifest in our mortal flesh. Yes, we are not sufficient even to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And although we are daily delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, yet the life also of Jesus is made manifest in our mortal flesh. Furthermore, this divine sufficiency extends to all our service for Christ and makes us efficient in the Master's work. It is a great thing to learn that we do not have to go on our resources or fight on our charges. Our good works are prepared for us that we should walk in them, and God is able to make all grace abound toward us, so that we, always having all sufficiency, in all things, may abound unto every good work. Christian usefulness is not the exploiting of Christian talent, but witnessing in the power of the Holy Ghost, and doing the works of Jesus, because He works in us the Holy Spirit is our power for service. He quickens the mind and the apprehension of the truth. He stirs the heart with love for souls. He inspires the preacher with faith, authority, and divine efficiency. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and not only works in the preacher, but in the hearer, giving efficacy for the word of his grace, and using often the humblest instruments to accomplish the greatest good. The following lines sum up the testimony of the speaker, and many others, who have learned the secret of a living and indwelling Christ. Once it was my working. His advance shall be perhaps the most wonderful experience of this deeper revelation of Christ as in the realm of answered prayer. This great secret opens heaven and puts in our hand a checkbook which only needs the endorsement of faith to give us fellowship with all the wealth of God's providence and grace. How wonderful the answers to prayer which gild the memories of difficulty with celestial and eternal light. Third, the third great light which God has permitted to fall upon these forty years is the glorious light of prophetic truth and millennial hope. Once the vision stretched away into a human horizon, the golden age to which one was looking forward was to be brought about by evolution, human progress, modern civilization, the spread of Christianity, men's best endeavors. But a generation ago there came a new revelation and a new hope not of a slow and uncertain evolution of human progress, but a glorious revelation of prophetic fulfillment, a kingdom coming not from the earth but from the skies, the new Jerusalem coming down from God, out of heaven, the promise of the coming one, who some glad day will supersede the poor counterfeit kings of earth, and will fulfill his glorious promise, the same Jesus shall so come again. It is glorious indeed to be working for a cause that cannot fail, 
not struggling to convert the world, but gathering out of it a little flock to meet the king and welcome him back to end the tragedy of human failure and make this blighted world of ours his own fair world again. Oh, how it dries our parting tears when our loved ones cross the threshold, etc. Oh, how real it makes our redemption, not some far-off mysterious heaven, but this old green earth restored and these mortal frames clothed in immortality and glory. And finally has come the vision of the world and its evangelization. The sacred trust which widens our horizon makes every man our neighbor and gives us a bishopric as wide as the human race. That is the glorious renaissance of modern church history, the new missionary movement, the splendid watchword, the evangelization of the world in the present generation. Let us thank God together, dear friends, for the wonderful new revelation which God has given us in the opening years of the 20th century. He is short-sighted indeed who allows himself to miss this holy calling, and fails to have a part in these stupendous days upon which the end of the age has come, and which look out already into the eternal morning. I look back with unutterable gratitude to the lonely and sorrowful night, when, mistaken in many things, and imperfect in all, and not knowing, but that it would be death, in the most literal sense, before the morning light. My heart's first full consecration was made, and with unreserved surrender I first could say, Jesus, I my cross have taken, all, to leave and follow thee, destitute, despised, forsaken, ow, from hence my all shall be, never, perhaps, has my heart known quite such a thrill of joy, as when the following Sabbath morning I gave out those lines, and sang them with all my heart. And if God has been pleased to make my life in any measure a little temple for his indwelling, and for his glory, and if he ever shall be pleased to use me in any fuller measure, it has been because of that hour, and it will be still in the measure in which that hour is made the keynote of a consecrated, crucified, and Christ-devoted life. A solemn covenant star the dedication of myself to God A. B. Simpson O. Our everlasting and almighty God, ruler of the universe, ow, who madest this world, and me, thy creature, upon it, ow, who art in every place beholding the evil, and the good, thou seest me at this time, and knowest my thoughts. I know, and feel that my innermost thoughts are all familiar to thee, and thou knowest what motives have induced me to come to thee, at this time. I appeal to thee, O thou searcher of hearts, so far, as I know my heart, it is not a worldly motive, that has brought me before thee now. But my heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, and I do not pretend to trust it, but thou knowest that I have a desire to dedicate myself to thee for time and eternity. I would come before thee as a sinner, lost and ruined by the fall, and by my actual transgressions, yea, as the vilest of all thy creatures. When I look back on my past life, I am filled with shame and confusion. I am rude and ignorant, and in thy sight a beast, Thou, O Lord, didst make Adam holy and happy, and gavest him ability to maintain his state. The penalty of his disobedience was death, but he disobeyed thy holy law, and incurred that penalty, and I, as a descendant from him, incurred that penalty. I acknowledge the justness of thy sentence, O Lord, and would bow in submission before thee. How canst thou, O Lord, condescend to look on me, a vile creature? For it is infinite condescension, to notice me but truly, thy loving kindness is infinite, and from everlasting. Thou, O Lord, didst send thy Son, in our image, with a body such as mine, and a reasonable soul. In him were united all the perfections of the Godhead, with the humility of our sinful nature. He is the mediator of the new covenant, and through him we all have access unto thee, by the same Spirit. 
through Jesus, the only mediator I would come to thee, O Lord, and trusting in his merits, and mediation, I would boldly approach thy throne of grace. I feel my own insignificance, O Lord, but to thou strengthen me by thy spirit. I would now approach thee in order to covenant with thee for life everlasting. Thou in thy word hast told us that it is thy will that all who believe in thy Son might have everlasting life and thou wilt trace him up at the last day. Thou hast given us a new covenant, and hast sealed that covenant in thy blood, O Jesus, on the cross. I now declare before thee and before my conscience, and bear witness, O ye heavens, and all the inhabitants thereof, and our earth which God has made, that I accept the conditions of this convenant, and close with its terms. These are that I believe on Jesus, and accept of salvation through him, my prophet, priest, and king, as made unto me of God wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, and complete salvation. Thou, O Lord, hast made me willing to come to thee. Thou hast subdued my rebellious heart by thy love. So now take it, and use it for thy glory. Whatever rebellious thoughts may arise therein, do thou overcome them, and bring into subjection everything that opposeth itself to thy authority. I yield myself unto thee as one alive from the dead, for time and eternity. Take me, and use me entirely for thy glory. Ratify now in heaven, O my Father, this covenant. Remember it, O Lord, when thou bringest me to the Jordan. Remember it, O Lord, in that day. When thou comest with all the angels and saints to judge the world, and may I be at thy right hand then, and in heaven with thee forever. Write down in heaven that I have become thine, thine only, and thine forever. Remember me, O Lord, in the hour of temptation, and let me never depart from this covenant. I feel, O Lord, my own weakness, and do not make this in my own strength, else I must fail. But in thy strength, O Captain, of my salvation, I shall be strong and more than conqueror through him, who loved me I have now, O Lord, as thou hast said in thy word, covenanted with thee, not for worldly honors or fame, but for everlasting life, and I know that thou art true, and shalt never break thy holy word. Give to me now all the blessings of the new covenant, and especially the Holy Spirit, in great abundance, which is the earnest of my inheritance, until the redemption of the purchase possession. May a double portion of thy spirit rest upon me, and then I shall go and proclaim to transgressors thy ways, and thy laws to the people. Sanctify me holy, and make me fit for heaven. Give me all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Place me in what circumstances thou mayest desire, but if it be thy holy will, I desire that thou give me neither poverty or riches, feed me with food convenient, lest I be poor, and steal, or lest I be rich, and say, Who is the Lord? But thy will be done. Now give me thy spirit and thy protection in my heart at all times, and then I shall drink of the rivers of salvation, lead down by still waters, infinitely happy in the favor of my God.